Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Stephen Gillespie. My fellow co-host, Austin Carr, is here with me. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Stephen. How's it going today? Man, everything is going good. We, um, my wife went to the doctor earlier today and got like the anatomy scan for our fourth child on the way, Charlotte. Uh, everything's good. So, hey, life congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm man. making a uh, a dope dinner tonight. Whenever I'm done with this, and I'm hey, super excited like, about, man. Sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah, man. How's how about you? How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. Um, my my wife actually had some pretty good news too. She got offered a raise at her job today, so she was thinking about leaving it, and they apparently like her. So that was good news. Um, been watching a lot of these good basketball games. There was a classic last night for sure. So Absolutely. it's been a good week. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad to hear you the week's well. You ready to get down to down to business? Yeah, let's do it. I think we've got an exciting show today. Absolutely, yeah. And we're going to go ahead and get started with, uh, in, you know, the idea that you brought forth to us to cover the power rankings. Mm-hmm. I want I want you to go ahead and give your breakdown of the, the Eastern Conference power rankings. Okay, so just um, so everybody remembers, last week my top three in order were the Pacers, Boston, and then Toronto. Um, this week I kind of just switched it up a little bit. I have Toronto first. Um, you know they're five and one. They've got wins against the top teams in the East and the West. They also beat Miami, and the only loss they had was that that Boston loss. But I mean they look really good against uh, against the Bucks. And then I took Brooklyn. Um, they're five and two. You know what they've been doing so shorthanded. They're missing five or six guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Karis Levert's been terrific. They beat the Clippers. You know they you know they had to play Washington, Sacramento, a couple easier teams, but they beat Milwaukee too. Um, and then lost to Orlando once and beat them once. And then I have Indiana at third. Um, they've, you know, we had that. We talked about it last week. They had a couple good wins. Um, their only losses are against pretty good teams. You know, Phoenix is still undefeated, and Miami. Miami just kind of seems like they have Indiana's number. You know, I think that's the third or fourth time they've beat them this year. So, um, but I still think the Pacers are one of the three best teams in the East as far as so far in the bubble. Um, what about you? Yeah, it was, um, like you mentioned, it was a pretty good week for basketball, man. Um, mm-hmm. First off, I just want to say that I tuned into that Indiana Pacer-Miami Heat game. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal game. I was I was blown away by it. We actually had a friendly bet. Oh, well, not really a bet, but just kind of like, hey, this is probably what's going to happen type thing with a right. couple of my buddies over at um, at the Off the Ball Network. And, we, mm-hmm. and me and one of my buddies, Mo, told the rest of the guys that Jimmy Butler is going to hold TJ Warren to under 19.5 points. And he <laughs> and, did that, man. He right, shut him down completely in this. Yep, completely shut him down in the second half. But for any of you guys watching, haha, I told you so. <laughs> anyway, getting down to my Eastern Conference, you know, I like you, I had Toronto number 1. They're mm-hmm. 5 and 1 with wins against the both number 1 seeds in the East and the Western Conference, you know, speaking of the Lakers and the Bucks. You know, they beat Miami, which, you know, I just got done bragging on them. And then a couple, you know, important that they won them. It would have been really bad if they lost in games with the the Magic and the Grizzlies. And then the only loss to the Boston Celtics, right? Much like you. And, you know, we look at each other's notes a little bit, but it's not that we, you know, just follow each other's opinion, you know, just for the sake of it. I also went with the Brooklyn Nets going 5-2, and extremely shorthanded, like, they're without, you know, their backups, backups, you know, mm-hmm. basically for these games, right? They beat oh, yeah. Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Magic, the Kings, the the Washington uh, Wizards, 
And then, you know, a loss against Boston, which really isn't too bad, but then the loss against the Bucks, you know, that, that kind of hurts their resume a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have the Pacers completely out of my power rankings, though. I have the Boston Celtics in at number three. They're four and two. They just beat Toronto, right? Or they beat Toronto right in the in the bubble games, which the number one power ranking team to me in the East. Uh, Memphis, Portland, Brooklyn, loss against Milwaukee and Miami. Those are two pretty excusable losses to me and my eyes. Those are if you're gonna lose the teams, those are the teams that you probably want to lose to, right? So mm-hmm. that rounds out my top three. I had a really tough time, though, being honest, choosing between the Celtics and the Pacers. But ultimately, I ended up going with the Celtics because I feel like their wins are their their wins are probably a little bit more equal, right? All things being considered, but the the losses that that Boston has probably a little bit more forgivable in my eyes than the losses that the Pacers have. I I don't have an issue with anything you said. I mean, I did go back and forth between Boston and Indiana as well. Um, I just didn't think one loss was enough to drop the number one team I had last week all the way out. So that's really why I left them at third. Um, I didn't think one loss to the Heat, you know, merited that far of a drop. So, you know, I can see why you picked Boston too. Their their losses are definitely, you know, against two really good teams. So you can't really fault them for that. And they've beaten everybody that they're supposed to have beaten. So, yeah. And like I said, I wrestled with that one up until you know Boston just beat Memphis last night, right? So like that's right. what kind of. I was like, okay, I was kind of flirting with it a little bit. And there was a little bit of discussion whether or not Boston was going to go out and try to put out the Grizzlies because they had that number three seed locked up. We'll talk more about the seedings here in a little bit, Austin. But right. ultimately, that's why I went with that. I'm going to go ahead and lead off with the Western Conference just for the sake of tradition because I'm go on right the ahead. West Coast. right? Uh, so in the West, obviously... Austin, I don't know how you don't have this team number one if you don't, right? I know right. that we kind of change our our rankings on the fly. Mm-hmm. Our, our notes are always in flux, right? But the Phoenix Suns, like, their biggest wins to me are against, you know, the Clippers, the Heat, you, you know, the Thunder. You can kind of throw in Philadelphia. Dallas is a good team to beat. Indiana was a good team to beat. And then Washington, right? Going 7-0, and I don't care what your schedule is. I don't care who you played against. I don't care if they were injured, if they rested people. I don't care. Really good teams aren't really showing really good records right now in the bubble. Mm-hmm. So going 7-0 and is a big deal to me. Portland Trailblazers are my second team. I know that you're kind of a little bit on the fence with them a little bit, but I have Portland number two. They're five and two. They beat Denver, Houston, Philadelphia, and Memphis with losses to the Clippers and Boston. So again, not terrible teams to be losing to. If you have losses, which you don't want, but if you have them, those are the type of teams that you want to have on there when it comes to power rankings, right? And then rounding out my top three is the Houston Rockets, right? You know, they they just lost to Portland, or excuse me, to San Antonio and and Portland, right? Those are their only two losses. But they beat the number one seeds in both conferences, just like the Raptors did, right? They beat the Bucks and the Lakers. They beat Dallas. And they also beat a, a Sacramento team. So those are my top three. Austin, what do you got to say to that? Um, I like your top three, definitely. Um, I'm not as on the fence about Portland as I was. They won oh, okay. me over a little bit. There so you go. they definitely won me over a little bit. Um, I think there is something to be said about uh, – 
what Phoenix is doing. You said regardless of schedule, but look at that schedule. They've kind of had a murderer's row compared to a lot of other teams. Sure. The only the only real game going into this that you say look and see that hey Phoenix is definitely going to win this game is Washington. <laughs> right. Uh, other games before this started, you would have said you know one in six, and I didn't think they had a chance. So um, they were my number one team. Um, actually, the three teams that really have the most to play for are my three this week. I had Phoenix at number one, and then I actually had San Antonio at number two. And I Portland. flirted with San Antonio. I flirted with them, man. And then I had Portland at third. Um, you know, Portland's played really well, but I still just think a couple of those games were almost kind of handed to them. Just the mm-hmm. Dallas game. I mean, not the Dallas game, the Denver game specifically. Um, and San Antonio's had some good wins with a you know like like a, a team where i can name maybe four or five guys you know sure. they've got like it's almost like uh the the nets where they're just pulling the 11th or 12th guy off the bench and getting a lot of production out of them um they've beaten houston they've beaten new orleans utah sacramento and memphis i mean not a not the greatest schedule they lost to the two teams that are probably but other than houston the best two on their schedule they lost to denver and philly but I just think, you know, Popovich, it's been, what, 22 years in a row they've made the playoffs? And right. I think this season is what they're looking to make their 22nd in a row, right? So, yeah. yeah. And I just think, too, though, it goes to show that, you know, the best three teams, as far as I'm concerned, in the West are the three teams that are battling to get into that playing tournament. You know, it shows they had something to play for. And maybe it's it has something to do with the teams at the top just trying to get healthy and for the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. And again, like I flirted with San Antonio, but really I, it, it came down to San Antonio and Houston for me, for who was going to be my third seed in the West. And really you went through the, the wins that San Antonio had. Like, I'm not surprised that they won those games, but to me, right. Houston beating, you know, Milwaukee, Dallas, Lakers, and, mm-hmm. and even Sacramento, which is a, you know, a, a shared victory for both of those teams. I just looked at the, uh, at the wins for Houston, I know that they just lost to San Antonio, right? So mm-hmm. I, I kind of get that, right? Like they took right. out the team that took out all these other teams, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, to me, the wins were more impressive for Houston than they were to San Antonio. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I kind of just went with the, the head-to-head thing again, like I said last week um, mm-hmm. or Sunday. Um, I just think, you know, that how could I they have the same record? How can I put one above the other? If, yeah. you know, they just lost to him. That's kind of my only thinking there. Plus, it's kind of fun to have that narrative that those three teams that are at the bottom are the three teams that are playing the best, too. So, I Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. All right. Well, um, yeah, those are, those are our power rankings there. Austin, do you want to go ahead and lead us into the next topic? Yeah. So um, we're talking again a little bit about the play-in preview. Um, the play-in game. There's probably not going to be one in the East. There isn't. Uh, Washington no. actually fell behind uh, the Hornets and the Bulls, who are not even in the bubble. Um, right. How do you fall behind two teams that aren't even in competition? Right. right? I mean, it's it's hard to believe. It's it goes to show you that I think they they probably just put Washington in there so they could justify the play-in tournament. That way, they could have one for you know possibility of one on both sides. Yeah, they're trying to be um, nice to the East. But in the West, it's it's been awesome, I think. I don't yeah. know how you feel about it, but I feel totally like agree. given tons of these games of playoff feel already. And, you know, there's just so many different scenarios. You know, last night, Portland overtook Memphis for the eighth seed. Um, what did you think about that? 
I thought that was a pretty great game, first off. Yeah, I actually, I actually tweeted that out right last night. I was like, well, if, if Memphis loses, which they played against the Celtics and they were down big when I tweeted that, mm-hmm. so I felt comfortable saying, like, well, hey, if Memphis loses this game and Portland beats Dallas, which I wasn't so really comfortable with saying, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of what it was, right? In order for the Blazers to get in there, they had to beat Dallas. Dallas still had something to play for that night. You... You've seen Dallas rest Luka and um, KP one game already, right? right? Presumably for this game, so they can kind of sit and maintain that seventh seed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, which they ultimately will, right? But, yeah. you know, just keeping their guy sharp and things like that, right? But mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was a great game for, for Portland. They've been playing hungry all, you know, bubble long. But mm-hmm. we can't necessarily count out, right, San Antonio, because what's interesting about the way that this seeding, or excuse me, these playing games are going to work, is that it's not just based off a record, right, Austin? It's based right. off a winning percentage. Mm-hmm. So I actually have the whole list right here of all the different scenarios, and mm-hmm. I'll kind of just run it down real quick. Um, Portland will get the eighth seed if they win. They, they hold their own destiny. Um, or if all three of the other teams lose and they lose, they'll still get the eighth seed. Um, they'll be ninth if they lose and two of either Phoenix, San Antonio, or Memphis also lose. So they they're have the best chance of at least making it into the play-in tournament. Memphis gets the eighth seed if they win and Portland loses, and they'll be the ninth seed with a win and a Portland win or losses by Phoenix and San Antonio. So Memphis is still still kind of in the driver's seat. If they if they can get a win, they're, they're going to be in, but they haven't looked good. Um, next is Phoenix. Phoenix will get the eighth seed with a win – combined with a Memphis loss and a Portland loss. Hmm. Get, so they can still get the eighth seed. And the ninth, they'll get that with a win combined with a Memphis or a Portland loss. So they need one of those two teams to lose, and they need to win for them to get in. So they need a little bit of help. And then San Antonio is basically in the same boat as Phoenix. Um, a win combined with a Memphis loss, a Phoenix loss, and a Portland loss would get them to the eighth seed. And um, they'd be the ninth seed with a win plus two losses from the one of the, from those three teams. So there's still four teams. There's all kinds of different scenarios. Um, obviously, like I said, Portland and Memphis kind of hold their destiny in their own hands. But there still is all kinds of interesting things that could happen. Right. And a couple of points I just want to make to this, Austin, is one, I, you know, I listened to the mismatch for the ringer with they have Kevin O'Connor and, uh, and um, what's his name? Chris Vernon, excuse me. I don't know why I listen to these guys every week. So I listen to KOC and Verno talking about this. There's a lot of speculation, right, that the Bucks may give Memphis this win, right, because Taylor Jenkins is, just came from that coaching tree not too long ago with Coach Bud. The Bucks have everything that they need, you know, locked up. Even their opening series you can look at as a, you know, as a warm-up, right, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But you know, Memphis could be walking into this game with the expected win. So that kind of makes things a little bit cloudy for teams like San Antonio and like, you know, Phoenix. There's going to be what's great about this, right, is that there is absolutely going to be a play-in tournament. We just don't know who's sitting where, right? Most likely, it's going to be Portland in there somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. The second most likely is that Memphis is going to be in there somehow, some way. Ultimately, I would be a super big fan of seeing Portland and Phoenix face off against each other. I think 
I was just going to say that exact same thing. I really would like to see the Suns get in there. I mean, it's been a great story. You know, if they could go eight zero in this restart, I'd be crazy. It would, right? And I had a I had a couple of Phoenix Suns beat writers here on our show before we rebranded and brought you on. Right. And I was actually texting Logan Newman, who writes for Arizona Sports, and I was telling him I was like. Logan, I was not worthy to have you on my show at all, man. And, like, we were sitting here talking about each of their matchups. And Logan was like, look, Phoenix is, you know, they're competent. Like, there's a world where they could come in and win these games. And I'm like, all right, Logan, like, I get that you like Phoenix, but mm-hmm. they're probably going to lose X, Y, and Z games. They may come out, like, two and six, maybe maybe three and five if you're lucky, right? But mm-hmm. no, <laughs> not at all, not at all accurate or correct on my behalf. And I did message Logan. I was like, hey, man, you know, because he was telling me, he's like, next time, he's like, I should have been more bold on your show instead of just saying like, hey, they're competent. I was like, well, hey, man, I'll have you back on the show and you can be as bold as you want. Like, and I'll, you know, basically just grovel at your feet, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think you're the only person that was wrong about Phoenix, though, for sure. I think he's probably about the only person that saw that coming if he really did, you know? He didn't see everything coming, right? He right. saw, like, there was a world where he looked at that they could come out maybe five and three, four or four, at mm-hmm. best six or two, right? He did not see seven and no, potentially eight and no coming his way, right? right. But I just, it was interesting to have have him on and discuss. You no, know that, is, that that would be fun. To, that would be fun. I'm gonna have to go back and give that one a listen for sure. Yeah, man, for for sure. You gotta buff up on your own show's history, man. Come right. On, man. I've listened to a couple. I've listened to a couple. I haven't caught them all. Yeah, they're long episodes though, and there's a lot of them. So I, okay. it's hard. You've only been on. This is your second appearance, so I think I could forgive right. you, bro. <laughs> but you know. Even after today, right? Like there's games on now and just for the you know, for the people watching and listening either now or later, you know, the the games that are happening today had no effect on this conversation that we're having right now, which is, you know, August the twelfth, two thousand and twenty, right? They have no bearing on whenever you're listening later, they had no bearing on what you're probably listening to right this second. And they are not gonna have any bearing when we look at you know, the awards and stuff like that that we're going to be handing out in a little bit. But right. it, it, it's very cool to, to understand and know that the Western Conference is certainly going to have a play-in scenario. One thing that would have been cool, though, Austin, is if the NBA kept their original plan and to have the 7th and 8th seed compete against, you know, the ninth and the 10th yeah. seed. Could that you imagine been- how much more crazy this play-in scenario would have been? I know. I, I don't think they expected it to be even as close as it's been. You know, we're coming down to tomorrow night. There's four games that can all make a difference deciding this uh, play-in tournament. So I can't even imagine, you know, if they added two more teams to this. I mean, I could see them doing it in the future. I don't see why they wouldn't. I think it's it's worked wonders so far. I mean, like I said. The Eastern Conference is why. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Um, but they could they could figure something out, and the East isn't always going to be so bad, you know. It could, we can well, at the bottom, they won't yeah. be bad, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, they're good at the top, right? They do. They have, it's it's a top heavy, it's definitely more top heavy conference in the West. Um, but you know, like I said, it's just it gave these games a playoff feel already, and a lot of them have mattered where they probably wouldn't have otherwise. And um, I just I don't ever see anything wrong with more games that have stakes attached to them, you know. Yeah, 100%, man. And is there anything else that you want to talk about for the play-in scenario? Um, we can just kind of recap. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the games are uh, Saturday and Sunday if they need mm-hmm. the Sunday game. 
Um, they are at like 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday and 4.30. That's Eastern time on uh, Sunday if they need to be. So um, just a reminder, the eighth seed only has to win one game. The ninth seed has, would have to win twice in a row, back-to-back days. Um, that's pretty hard to do in the NBA. And then roll in against the Lakers. Right, right. <laughs> so they're not, they're not winning anything, you know, any big grand prize or anything. They get to go up against AD and LeBron. So, Yeah, here, here's your award, right? But right. I think, I mean, obviously, the, the big favorite, the only team that I think that could push the Lakers to the edge in this scenario, right, are the Portland Trailblazers. Do you agree, oh, yeah. or do you think Phoenix has a chance, or, or I, the, the Memphis John Morants? I would, I would be surprised if the Lakers lost more than a game to anybody but Portland. I could see, I could see Dame winning a game or two for him, or maybe even taking him to seven games if you know, he's just on fire like he has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did want to mention one thing about Damian Lillard. He had uh, his third 60-point game of the season uh, yeah. last night. Um, do you know how many players have had three 60-point games in one season? Probably Wilt Chamberlain. It's him and Wilt Chamberlain. That's yeah. It. The only two guys ever. So that was pre- I thought that was pretty cool. So, I mean, if he keeps up that, you know, anything could happen. But uh, I just I don't see any of the other teams getting in that would really even give the Lakers any trouble at all. So. Yeah, I mean, and even still, Portland, as great as they've been offensively, their defense is kind of, eh, you know, right. they don't they don't have anybody they can throw at Anthony Davis. They don't really have anybody they can throw at a, at LeBron James. But, you know, right. it's we'll cover the West playoffs um, Sunday when we when we record our next episode that'll release next Monday. But yeah, um, we can roll right into the Eastern Conference uh, playoff preview. You know. The the one through three seater are set mm-hmm. in stone, right? We know that Milwaukee's yep. number one. We know that Toronto's number two, and Boston are number three. That right. four through six, though, it's looking yeah. It could, it's up in the air a little bit. You know, it could be. It's looking right now like it's going to be Heat and Pacers in the four or five, and mm-hmm. Celtics Sixers. But the Sixers could still jump the Pacers if they win out and the Pacers lose. Yeah. Um, so you know, it could be up in the air there. Uh, I've honestly always been of the impression that the Pacers should try to get to the sixth seed. Um, I just think the Heat are a bad matchup for them. And if they could get lucky and they like to let the Sixers knock them out, they might do a little bit better against the Celtics. I don't know. That might just be wishful thinking, but I just I don't think they're a very good matchup for the Heat. So that's kind of why I've always said that. But it's it's going to be tough regardless. I mean, they don't even really match up well. Top, you know, the top half of their roster doesn't match up well against Boston either. No, no, they don't. Um, I think having Sabonis would make a big difference. Um, earlier in the year, it looked like they might be able to win a series or two, but um, I think Miami kind of shut the door on that idea. And um, you know, they they could have possibly moved up to get all the way to third if they had gone like eight no i think but i didn't mm-hmm. see i didn't see that happening and i you know i think they'd have a little bit better shot against the sixers but regardless um i don't i don't see the pacers really matching up well like you said with any of those teams well um, yeah and we can go ahead and just for the you know the sake of letting everybody know who who may not be as as up to date and current on the standings in the east as we are right austin so right, right now it's it's looking like everything's basically set. Like there's a world that we live in where maybe one or two teams adjust in the East, but it's largely going to stay where it is, right? But so right. if if that were the case, we would have the the one and eight would be Milwaukee in Orlando, the two and seven would be 
Toronto and Brooklyn. The three and six would be Boston and Philly. And then the four and five would be Miami and Indiana. We can start with the the less interesting, I guess, is a decent way of putting it, right? Yeah. Just the one and eight, two, seven. Work our way in towards the middle where it's probably going to be a little bit more competitive, Austin. Right. So for the one and eight, we have Milwaukee versus Orlando. The mm-hmm. Bucks are four and zero oh against the Magic this year, with victories looking like one twenty three to to ninety one, one ten to one hundred one, one eleven to one hundred, and one eleven to ninety five. Milwaukee is already without Jonathan Isaacs, who is probably their best defensive player, and Al Farouk Aminu, who they've been without for most of the season already. The Bucks right. are largely healthy. Is is there a chance that Milwaukee wins a game? Uh, to put it plainly, no, I don't think so. Uh, Milwaukee's going to go four and zero in that series. I think they're going to sweep. If you look at it, Giannis played thirty one minutes a game this year. You know they're going to ramp that up in the playoffs. Um, they may not even need to in the first round. They but, may not. Uh, um, like you said, they're healthy. Uh, the Magic aren't. Jonathan Isaacs was having a, a pretty good season for them. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was a big piece, but I don't think that would have made much of a difference. Um, the Bucks, you know, they're the best offensive team. They're the best defensive team. Giannis is probably going to win the MVP. We'll, we'll we'll get to that, I think. Sure. Um, but I just I don't think the one thing that I see that the Bucks kind of don't do well is defend the three and the magic aren't you know a knockdown killer three-point shooting team so i don't think they can take advantage of that enough to really even win a game um what are your thoughts yeah so largely in agreement with you i think you know if you rolled the dice 100 times based on the odds right like orlando may win a game and it may just be that Milwaukee doesn't even put out anybody in the second half and Orlando just kind of chips away at a lead and maybe just make it a game in the fourth. That's like, I think, best case scenario, right? Milwaukee, they're they're deep, so they could probably continue that 30, 31, you know, minutes per game with Giannis and those guys, right? Mm -hmm. They, They have a lot of depth. They have good vets. Their defense is great. The thing that kills me about Orlando, right, and and being when you consider them as a playoff contender, who's their go-to guy? Do they have a go-to guy? I I don't. I kind of don't think I would say no. I don't think they do. Um, Aaron Gordon's definitely not a go-to guy in the clutch that's going to get you a basket. And and he's been suffering with injury in the bubble too. Right. Um, Evan Fournier, I think, is one of their leading scorers. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, he doesn't scare anybody. You know, against a team like Milwaukee, Chris Middleton's or Giannis or somebody, one of those Dante DiVincenzo, all those guys they have, they're all mm-hmm. locked down defenders. I mean, he's not going to be able to do much against them. Um, I just, I'm not real impressed with Orlando all around. Vucevic is pretty good, their center. Um, but that's the wrong guy to have as your best player against the yeah, Bucks, though, because they exactly. shut down the paint. Exactly. I mean, I think. Uh, Brooke Lopez, I think, was the fourth best rated defensive center in basketball this year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with playing next to Giannis, but those two in there, I mean, you can't score in the paint at all against them. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, probably a clean sweep in both of our eyes. I think that we both, we, uh, we've both agreed. Actually, yeah, we both agree on, on the Bucks, and we both agree on them sweeping, right? right. So moving on to the next series, right? You have the 2-7, which is Toronto versus the Brooklyn basketball team is what I like to call them because they're hardly the Nets right now, right? They don't even have the same coach that they had coming into the year. Mm -hmm. So 
the Raptors versus the Brooklyn basketball team. Who do you who do you like in this game? Well, the for the series, definitely, uh, I've got Toronto winning the series. Um, you know, like you said, the Nets got rid of their coach Kenny Atkinson. I think that was a big mistake. Honestly, um, I think he was yeah. a terrific coach. Um, I think you see it now, almost like last year when since Kyrie Irving's been out and they haven't had Durant all year. Um, all these pieces that they have, uh, they gel and they play well together. And you know they've been pulling guys off the, you know, off the street coming into the bubble, <laughs> yeah. and they're putting up twenty-four point games. You know they're missing Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Torian Prince, um, and there's I know there's more Wilson guys. Wilson Chandler, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, our, our whole team Claxton, yeah, they're a match unit and. I, but Karis Levert has looked really good. Joe Harris has played well. Um, I saw Kyle Anderson tied the record for uh, most missed threes without making a game, though. So that was <laughs> no good. I could see him stealing a game or two. I, I I like Toronto a lot. They're a solid team. They're deep. They're well coached. They play well on both sides of the ball. But they can, they could be beaten. You know, I like the Milwaukee Bucks don't really feel like they can be beaten by Orlando, even if they bring 80% of their best game. But Toronto is a team I feel like has to really bring it every night to really be elite. And they could get caught in a game, I think, a little bit easier than Milwaukee could. But I don't see them losing more than one, it, two, if, if it really, you know, if they really, you know, fell asleep. Uh, also, I don't agree with that. I think that Toronto in this game, like, if they lose a game, I'll be I'll be shocked, right? And and I'll eat a plate of crow here the next time we yeah. get together, and you could tell me that you told me so. I just I just I just, I just think the Nets are, are are a pesky team. They're just they play well together, and I just think they could steal one. You know, I mean, you almost feel like that they're like that they that they're a scheduled loss, right? Like we talked about this in our power rankings, like. They beat the team that's ahead of them. That's what they're supposed to do. They have like zero team chemistry. Even the guys that they brought in to like be roster replacements, like Michael Beasley, when he found out that he was going to have to serve the rest of his suspension from a previous season, right? right. He was like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm not going to play." And then, mm-hmm. and then Jamal Crawford come in and play for you know basically dribble the ball one time, and his body gave out on, which was awful right. because I was really looking forward to seeing him drop fifty something points in a game. But I don't know, like Toronto. They've been resting guys basically throughout the bubble just in different shifts. I think fully, like if you see a full Toronto Raptors lineup, they may kind of give you some Milwaukee-looking numbers with their starters, right? Like maybe yeah. 30 minutes for a Kyle Lowry, maybe like 20, 25 minutes for a, a Gasol and an Ibaka because they're, they're deep. They got youth at almost every position too, right? Because Chris Boucher right. just gave them a really great game their last outing. So I... It's. It, I would be hard pressed. I think I would give the Magic a better shot to get a game against Milwaukee right now than the than really? the Nets against the Raptors. Yeah, okay. and, and I honestly would. Okay. Well, we'll come back to this one when and we've had some playoff games, and we'll see who was right. I mean, it could go either way. I, I could see both both series being a clean sweep pretty easily, though. Too. You know. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one, this is where it starts getting a little fun, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look at the three six matchup. You have the Celtics versus the Sixers. Now, interesting note about this series matchup throughout the year. The Celtics have actually only won one time in their four matchups this season, right? right. The, they've lost, you know, 107 to 93, you know, 115 to 109, 
109 to 98. Their one win was a pretty good win in 116 to 95. Mm-hmm. But the the Sixers have a little bit of injury problems now, don't they, Austin? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing for the Sixers over the Celtics was they could just put out a lineup that was just so big they can overpower teams. Uh, you know, with Ben Simmons playing point guard against, you know, a team that starts Kemba Walker and sometimes Marcus Smart next to him. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Smart's a great defender, but you know, he's six foot three. And Phoenix or I mean, I'm sorry, Philadelphia could put out a lineup that was, you know, all six and eight or nine or above. And now without Simmons, they're I think the Celtics are gonna match up a little bit better. I also think, you know, Embiid had that ankle injury. I don't know how long he's going to miss, if he'll be back, but I think that makes a big difference. The Celtics have, have looked really good. The Sixers have looked okay. Um, and all, ultimately, I think the Celtics win that series, even though they've had a rough time against them this year. Um, I don't know what you think about it. I, I do think the Sixers are, are a, a dangerous team if they could put it together. I, I don't know what happened to Al Horford this year, but – he hasn't he hasn't looked like Al Horford of old for sure. Well, I think what what Al Horford's problem is is just specifically fit. I think you put him on almost any other team and he's going to look significantly better. It's hard for a guy that had, you know, it was basically their secondary creator on offense last year right for the Boston Celtics and then one of their best defensive players to basically take a couple steps back on both sides of the ball like he's given a smaller role and a smaller opportunity. It's hard for a guy to go where a lot of stuff's running through him on both sides of the ball to take a step back. I mean, he's doing it in such a way where he's not a problem for their team, which I think, you know, if there's any bright spot for their team this year, it's how willing Horford has been to kind of just slowly but surely take a step back and take a step back. Because when there's games where Embiid doesn't play, Horford has had some really good games this year. The problem is, is that, and I don't even know if you want to call it a problem, right? Like Joel Embiid has probably had one of his healthier years this year than he has normally, right? So right. there was also that aspect or dynamic to it too, Austin, that he was basically insurance policy for Joel Embiid, who's missed quite a few games, right? But I keep hearing people say that, you know, if Philly gets it together, if Philly, I've, time's up for me, you know what I mean? Like, I know that you still have the playoffs, and I, Brett Brown, should not be their head coach next season. I think that he's been given too much. He's been given too many great players and too many chances to try to make them a um, a viable team, especially in the Eastern Conference, right? Like, you can excuse Miami, Toronto, and and maybe Boston, but that's where it gets start, starts getting iffy, right? Like, these were this was a team that was talked about as possibly coming out of the East to contend for a championship this year. Now you're looking at them as a sixth seed in the East. Well, I agree with you 100% about Brett Brown. I, I said it last year. I thought this would, should be his last chance. Um, you know, a few years ago, people were talking about Embiid and Simmons, like possibly being the next Kobe and Shaq. And, you know, I know Simmons hasn't developed a shot at all, and that's made a difference. But, you know, time's up, like you said. And don't get me wrong when I say if they if they put it together, I don't think they will. If they haven't by now, it's not going to happen. Um they either need a new voice at the top, which I think is going to happen, sure. or uh, something, break, shake up something, try something different. Yeah, um, Elton Brown's not, or excuse me, Elton Brand is not going to fire himself. You know what I no. mean? Right, <laughs> right. 
And I just, I don't know. Um, I don't think you give up on Embiid and Simmons together, but I, I think you try a different system, something else, um, because they're just they're too talented to finish sixth in the East. You know, they shouldn't be behind Indiana for sure, no. and they shouldn't be behind Miami. Miami's had a great year, and Miami's all, you know, you hear that term heat culture all the time, and but still, I mean, Embiid and Simmons should, like you said, they should be contending for the Eastern Conference Championship. Yeah, well, to be clear, that's what other people say. Like, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big fan of the moves that they made in the offseason. I made that pretty well known. I feel like, you know, I wasn't asking too much of Josh Richardson, who was just a neat player in Miami, basically. Right? He wasn't like a playmaker. Tobias Harris, he's he's still kind of young, actually, you know, but he's been in the league long enough where you feel like you got a feel for, you know, he's been in the league long enough to where you have a feel for the type of guy that he's going to be now. Um, Joel Embiid, he doesn't have neither one of the two, right? Simmons doesn't have the type of dudes around him that make him the best player he could possibly be. And then the same thing for Joel Embiid, he doesn't have the type of dudes that are around him. I, as much as I love, I actually like both of these players a lot. I think mm-hmm. that there's there's still an argument that Joel Embiid is still one of the best centers in the NBA, even though people aren't a fan of his attitude or. He takes nights off. If he's taking nights off and is still giving you like twenty-five and thirteen, like my goodness, like <laughs> that's well, still that's what I mean. They're so talented. They it something's got to give at some point. That you see, like you said, he's people say that he's not fully invested, and he still is putting up incredible numbers night in and night out. Really, when mm-hmm. he's out there, he changes their entire team defensively. And what you I liked what you said about Tobias Harris. And I think that's another uh, another fit problem. Um, when he was at his best, uh, other places in the league, he was you know in a pick and roll offense a lot, mm-hmm. and used as the ball handler in the pick and roll a lot. And that's where he thrived. And he doesn't do that at all for Philadelphia. You know, they kind of relegated him to you know stand out there and shoot when Simmons drives in or when Embiid kicks it out and. It works for some guys, but I just don't think that's the best use of his talents. And they do put out those huge lineups, but they also can't space the floor at all. And pacing and shooting is the name of the game in the NBA nowadays. The NBA is basically a shooting game, a shooting and getting to the rim. And they can get to the rim, but they don't they they don't spread the floor at all. I think losing JJ Redick was the worst worst thing they ever did. And Jimmy Butler too, right? So, yeah. But one more thing before we move on to the next round, right? And I'll I'll let you kind of give me your thoughts on this too. If I have any, if Oklahoma City is still accepting draft picks, I know that they have you know all all four of their pockets full of draft picks right now. Right. But if they're still accepting draft picks, if I'm Philadelphia and I want to keep my job as a general manager and as a head coach, I would be calling up OKC and being like, Hey, look, man, we'll trade you. Tobias Harris and Al Horford for Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari. And we'll give you two first-round draft picks, too, on top of that. I think Oklahoma City still they, they still get a couple guys, right? Because Tobias Harris in that offense would probably be something. And then Al Horford is your backup center for a couple seasons behind, you know, Steven Adams. I Because th- you still have Shea, and, you know, you still have um, Baisley, who's looking all right, you know, and... You have all those draft picks. You can basically create your own team, basically make it a 2K offseason. That's right. what I I think that that would be. If I'm Philly, I would seriously consider making that trade. Hey, I mean, that 
I haven't heard anything else that sounds better than that if they're going to get rid of somebody. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's going to be Embiid and Simmons, and I don't think those two guys they got really fit. Um, as far as on the Oklahoma City side, you know, they, they made that Chris Paul trade for the future. Like, it was, wasn't was necessarily to get Chris Paul. It was more to get those picks, and mm-hmm. it was the only contract that really matched up with Russell Westbrook's. And he's been terrific, but I, I think their eyes are on – all as you know get to the future get as many picks as you can i think you know a lot of times nowadays in the nba the idea of a high draft pick is actually more valuable than once they'd actually take the player and sure so i think oklahoma city has shown that they value picks more than probably just about any team and i i, I like the sound of that i think it would be interesting i like a good trade man i'm all about <laughs> yeah me too transactions are my thing for sure because I think that Chris Paul, you know, obviously a pick and roll with him and Simmons or him and Embiid would be pretty fun to watch. I mean, you could still do it with him and him and Gallo, right? And he's good enough off the ball to where he can give you some shots too. And then Gallinari is like probably one of the best players that you could imagine on a team with two guys that can't really shoot. You know, Embiid can shoot, but he he should be in the paint. So if you right. have Gallo and CP3 outside to kick the ball out to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to well, me. Well, the, the Miami Heat messed up not getting Gallinari in that trade that they made uh, at the uh, deadline. deadline. I mm-hmm. mean, they they really that would have made a big difference. I think Gallinari's skill set is perfect for today's game. Um, you know, he's a a big wing that can shoot, uh, handle and, the ball a little bit. Right, and look what look what Chris Paul did with DeAndre Jordan a few years ago. I mean, imagine what him and Embiid can look could look like together. I mean, he's yeah, the consummate, be. you know, point guard. He's going to be the floor general. You know, he's going to run the offense the right way. Everybody's going to be in the right positions, and I think you could run any kind of offense with with a guy like him and a guy like Embiid. They could thrive together doing just about anything. And I don't see why it wouldn't be a good idea. It's just whether or not you know they they could get it done. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And now to the 4-5 matchup, and then we'll close out the Eastern Conference playoff preview. Is the Heat versus the Pacers. The Heat are 3-0 against the Pacers this year. A really close game, 113-112. to A not-so-close game, 122-108. to And then another not-so-close game in 114-92. to Not to mention that the Pacers are without some bonus, but also a guy that I was really high on them picking up this offseason, which... A lot of people slept on the Pacers, and I'm proud to say that I thought that they had a great offseason, and I was not surprised at all with the success they had this season. But they also got Jeremy Lamb from the from the Hornets when they completely overhauled their, their backcourt this year. So who do you like in this matchup, Austin? Um well, I, you know, like I said, I'm from Indianapolis. I'm in some uh, some fan groups on Facebook for the Pacers, and I can tell you right now, all the way, I think, from the T.J. Warren uh, Butler matchup, all the way down to the Pacers fans, Miami is in their heads. I just think Miami has their number. Um, you see the fans on these pages; they lose their minds when every every game against the heat they, they just they <laughs> hate jimmy butler and i think he thrives off of that and i think it's almost worse for miami that they're not going to play on the road in indiana because i think jimmy butler would would kind of thrive off of that rivalry he's kind of built with tj warren um you know the pacers are a good team i definitely didn't sleep on them either um 
my wife is really, really big fan of uh, the Pacers. She likes to rib me a lot that they beat the Lakers this year. We actually <laughs> went to that game. Um, but I think the Pacers uh, aren't they could win a game or two. It could be a close series. They're good enough sure. to, to, to take a couple games. But Jimmy Butler and Bam, and you know they got the two rookies and Hero and None that come in off the bench and are terrific. Um, I just think ultimately they're going to be too much on defense. And you know, I, I, like I said, I think they're in their heads. I think they have their number, and I think it'd be four-two probably Miami. Yeah, I'm thinking like um, 4-1, 4-2 myself. And just their last matchup in the bubble, right, where they went to the half, both tied 43-43, and Miami just played an awful first half offensively. And, you know, you kind of got the feeling that if they got it figured out that they would come out and blow the brakes off of the Pacers, which is basically what happened. Um, I, I think the Heat win this one. And, and it looks like we're largely in agreement that the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and Heat are all advancing, right? That's a big take because they're all the higher seeds, right? So we're coming in with these crazy predictions, right? That the right. <laughs> that the higher ranked teams are going to come out, oh, but yeah. I don't think that that's. I mean, if any of these change to me, it's the four or five matchup. Like I think the Pacers probably have the better chance of beating the Heat than the Sixers do against the Celtics. So that's really why I think that if there is an upset, it's that four or five matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, I just. I think if there's going to be upsets anywhere, it'd be in the, it's going to be in the Western Conference, which you know we'll get to on on Sunday. But um, I don't, I'm not too uh, worried about any of these picks. The one thing that is kind of interesting um, is they not for the first round, but I did hear today for the second round they are going to allow players to have up to four guests uh, in the bubble with them once mm-hmm. they're down to eight teams. Uh, but they do have a stipulation that the guests have to prove that they have a long-standing personal relationship with the player. Um, so you know, no Instagram girlfriends. Or yeah, no like, conjugal visits, basically. Uh, you know, there was, that was a big topic on some of the uh, some of the stuff. First that, take, yeah, yeah, that, you, that was on TV and everything today. But uh, I just I don't see a whole lot of bumps in the room or seeds in the East. Like we said, it's a top-heavy division conference and. Uh, I just, I think the talent level from one to four is, you know, the Pacers are close, but the, mm-hmm. the top four teams are significantly better than the bottom four teams in the East for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that that wraps up the, the preview for the Eastern Conference playoffs. Austin, do you want to bring us into our next segment? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to go into talking about our award or awards that we have, our season awards. Um, you want to go ahead and give your award list first, or you want me to go first? Um, we're doing our, our awards based on the finalists that uh, were voted in, you know, mm-hmm. for the NBA finalists for all the players, this, you know, the season awards. You got so, the hot mic right now, man. You go ahead. All right. Sounds good. So uh, for my MVP pick, I picked Giannis. Obviously, I think um, when they did the the poll of everybody before the shutdown, he, he was either unanimous or it was really close. I think LeBron looked good this year. Um, Harden, obviously, 34 points a game. He's a terrific scorer. But Giannis is putting up a season like we've hardly ever seen. Um, his player efficiency rating right now will be would be the highest that there's ever been, um, mm-hmm. higher than Will Chamberlain, higher than Jordan, anybody. Um, you know, 30 and 13 and a half, basically. 
playing 30 minutes a game. That's crazy efficiency. Yeah. And just you watch him on the court. He passes the eye test. I've never seen a guy that can take one dribble from a foot outside the three-point line and dunk it. And, I mean, you just can't stop him. And if he won the award last year, he's significantly better this year. I don't see how you can't give it to him again. Yeah. Um, well, hang on, Austin. Here, I'm sorry. We're going to change this up on the fly. How about we do each award? I'll let you lead and uh, just come in. And... That's what I was kind of thinking, too. Let's go ahead and do that. All right, right on. Yeah, thanks, man. So I agree with you. Um, Giannis, to me, is it. I think that you've seen more excuses for an MVP um, contender than any other year with LeBron James this season. And that's not to snub LeBron. Uh, this is my favorite LeBron James I've ever watched play basketball. And he's having a phenomenal season. I think that we kind of get caught up sometimes when you say, hey, I think that this player is better. People automatically assume that you're dogging the other one. That's not the case. LeBron James is... You know, the second best regular season this year may still be the best player in the world, but that's not what the incentive of the award is. The incentive of the award is for the best regular season. And to me, Giannis had it. He's the best player on the best team. He has a stronger winning percentage in the West than LeBron does against the East, which I think kind of helps squelch that, you know, the East is trash argument, so to speak. You mentioned, you know, his PER is, you know, player impact effectiveness rating. You know, he's... He's leading in a lot of you know traditional and advanced stats when it comes to LeBron James. Yes, LeBron James is doing a, a fantastic job at 35 years old in his 17th year in the NBA. No one's arguing or disputing that. Like what he's doing, being the number one team in the Western Conference at his age, being the best player, leading the NBA in assists per game, all great things. Not squelching that at all. It just so happens that his greatest year LeBron James is having, Giannis is having an even better one which is just insane considering he's already leading in so many categories, only giving you 30 minutes a game. Right. That's, the, that's I think, the kicker. You know, it's not unprecedented, the argument that, oh, look what he's doing at 35 years old. You know, they did that when, when Kareem won his sixth MVP award. They're, you know, everybody But how, said, fall, how long ago was that, though? You right. know what I mean? That's what I mean. It's <laughs> been a long time. It's been a long time, but it's not like it'd be the first time it ever happened. So there is a case to be made, but I don't have a strong one. Um, you know, like you, like we said, the 31 minutes a game is, is crazy. Like how many fourth quarters did he not even have to play in? You right. Know, just imagine if he had like a, a James Harden mindset where, you know, I'm going to go out and get my numbers every night, you know, or Russell Westbrook, you know, I'm going to get my numbers regardless. I don't care if we're up by 15, I'm going to be out on the court. You know, he could have, he could have put up insane numbers this year. And, you know, if you want to talk counting stats, he's at, at the top of, you know, every category. If you want to talk advanced stats, you know, it makes an even stronger case for him. And I just, I don't think there's a whole lot of dispute. And that's crazy considering the year LeBron had and the fact that James Harden is in a distant third scoring 34 points a game. Yeah. It, it's a two-headed race right now. And I think that it's, it's a closer race it, when it comes to arguments than it even should be. If you just right. looked if you took names and faces out of it and you just looked at who was playing better this year, like if you could just erase the name on the back of the jersey, I think Giannis would probably end up getting a unanimous MVP this season. I agree. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, do you want to go ahead and uh, yeah. hit the next award up? Yeah, so I went next with uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Like I said, it's he's had a historic season. I think it deserves a historic award, so I picked Giannis again. Um it's happened twice before in 88, 94, Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. That's pretty good company to keep. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, he's like we said, he's the best. He's the best team or best player on the best team, and not just the best team, the best offensive team and the best defensive team. You know, I think I saw. I think it's about eleven points per hundred possessions less when he's on the court than when he's off the mm-hmm. uh, team against the Bucks. He's got the best defensive rating in basketball by almost four four plus points per hundred possessions. Sure. Um, he only blocks one shot and gets one steal a game, but. The way the game has changed, those those kind of stats, you know, nobody blocks four shots a game anymore like Hakeem Olajuwon did. There's just it's just a different type of game that's so much more spread out. Um, but you know, Rudy Gobert was another pick that I was high on, and you know, he changes hit the Utah defense more than just about any player changes their team. But I just think you know, Giannis has he makes a strong case to double up this year like Jordan and like Akeem. I just think he's a once in a generation player and I think he deserves that kind of recognition. Yeah, um I see what you're saying, but to me the reason I went with Rudy Gobert as my defensive player of the year is look at the other defensive talents that Giannis has on his team. So when you look at like how he's impacting his team overall defensively, it's not just him. Like Brook Lopez was receiving a lot of consideration for this reward as well. Like maybe on the lower end, sure. Like he wasn't probably going to win it, but it, you know he was getting second and third place votes for sure. Right. So I think that when you have that, when you have that, that kind of helps. You know all of those great defensive numbers that Giannis has. When you look at Rudy, it's just you know he's just out there being the stifle tower. You know Bogdanovich and Ingles, they're they're kind of nifty, kind of you know savvy defenders. They're not. They're they're not athletic defenders, you know what I mean? Right. You know, um, Mike Connolly at his age now, he's his defense has fallen off. Uh, you know, even Donovan Mitchell is he's an undersized too, right? And he's not really giving right. you big defensive numbers. But you look at how how the Jets have maintained their great defensive ability, and you look at their great defensive numbers they have. That falls solely on solely on the shoulders of, of Rudy Gobert and. I've talked about this with several people. He's actually one of the best big men when it comes down to, you know, coming off of switches and staying with the quote-unquote little guy at preventing them from attacking the basket because of his footwork. And obviously, you know, his he's got one of the longest reaches in the, in the NBA too, so that certainly helps him. But it's not just long arms, right? It's his footwork. It's his, his study of film. It's his wherewithal of, you know, where players are going to go before they get there. And, and to me... I, get, I understand the historical significance that it would mean for Giannis to get this award, and I know how great of a year he's having. I just got done talking about that, right? Uh, he's a great two-way player, like probably one of the best, if not the best, this season. To me, though, when I look at the importance of defensive player of the year, if you took Giannis off of the Bucks, they would probably still have like a top-10 defense. You know what I mean? They would probably still would. If you took Rudy off of the Utah defense, it would be trash. Like They would be like in the mid-20s, maybe at best. Right, and I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, I know I'm not sure what their rank is, but without Gobert on the floor, I know Utah's not a top ten defense, and with him, they're like fourth. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't disagree with that. Um, the one one thing you can say is I hear a lot about how good the Milwaukee defense is, but I think a lot of those other players' defensive ratings are so high because of Giannis, not necessarily the other way around. Um, it is a little bit of both. Um, Giannis is first in defensive win shares, if you take mm-hmm. that into account at all, but Gobert's second. Um, Gobert's like 
fourth in the entire NBA in total win shares. It's crazy. Like he's yeah. his his he's like the second sixty nine percent from the field. You know, I mean that's not defensive. I don't want to get too far off the topic. Yeah. But you know, the analytics really do back up Gobert. So like I said, I went back and forth. I just, you know, I kind of went with more of the, the historical I think Giannis is just having a, a season for the ages and it needed to be recognized as such. Um, yeah, so. and, and I and I and I can agree with that. And I think too, sometimes you know, with Rudy already getting back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year awards, you kind of get tired of seeing the same dude always get named for the same award. You know, right. it rarely happens, and especially Defensive Player of the Year, it rarely happens. So I think a little bit of you know fatigue kind of wears in a little bit when it comes yep. to awards sometimes as well. I, I agree. I think that's the same thing with the MVP award sometimes. You know, Jordan not winning it as many, you know, Jordan probably should have won it a few more times than he did if if it weren't for the fact that he'd already won it four times, five times in a row. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, next up for uh, Rookie of the Year, I had a really hard time not picking Zion, believe it or not. What? Um, I wanted to. I wanted to just uh, just to get your reaction more than anything. Okay. But uh, but I ultimately couldn't um, make enough of a case in 15 games. I mean, 19. It, 19, 19 games. Give him a little bit more credit. Give him a little bit more credit. My bad. Thank you for keeping me honest. Um, That's what I'm here for, bro. Right. Uh, that being said, I think if you just make the argument for who's the best rookie – it's Zion, but that's not what the rookie of the year is. It's who had the best rookie season, and that's obviously John Morant. Um, you know, 17 or 18 points a game, seven or eight assists. He was already in the top, I think, seven or eight in the league in assists. And yep. he makes plays every night that just make you say, wow. He's extremely athletic. He can already shoot the ball pretty well. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's so quick. He sees the floor like a veteran. And there's not a whole lot of rookie point guards that don't get overwhelmed in the rookie season. You know, um, it's a hard position to play in the NBA. You have to run the whole team. And I think it helps coming him coming in to a pretty young team in Memphis. So there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. of, you know, established stars or veterans there. That Malzi has a feed. Right. And so he could kind of make it his team right away. Because their, their other best players are, you know, Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, who are both young. And uh, Dylan Brooks isn't, you know, Dylan hasn't been around Brooks, that yeah. long. Um, so I, I think he came into the right situation to be able to take over a team. But you know, it's Derrick Rose is about the only other, you know, rookie point guard I really remember thriving to that point to that extent, other than Ja. And I just think he had a terrific season. Yeah, maybe maybe in recent memory, right? Like Chris yeah. Paul was another yeah. great guy that you had. But yeah, I see what you're saying when it comes to you know who was probably the closest as far as talent more recently. It was it was probably him. There there were some other guys that had great years, but yeah. Uh, and plus, doesn't it seem like like John Wall or excuse me, wow, John Morant? Uh, he's like an airbender, dude. Like he just stays in the air so long. I hear this said over and over, and I can't help but agree. Like his misses. Are, are just more spectacular than a lot of people's made shots. Like he yep. just, he's so fun to watch, man. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this award because I feel like, you know, naming other guys, it's just, it's nice for them, you know, to develop their storyline. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole battle, the whole case for Zion getting it, doesn't hold that much weight to me because 
I've heard, uh, you know, folks like Rachel Nichols make this award, right? Like when um, Joel Embiid didn't get it over Malcolm Brogdon, right, because of the games played. She said, you know, Joel Embiid is clearly the better player out of the two, so you just give it to him for, you know, the, the history of the NBA. That way when his Joel just keeps getting better and better, you know, he has that award, you know, he has that cachet. You don't have that argument, though, here, because John Morant is not a Malcolm Brogdon to Zion's Joel Embiid. He's not. Like, they're they're both superstars, you know. They're, ja is going to be just as big of, of, a, of a danger to the future of the NBA than Zion is in my eyes because you look at what he's doing this year. I mean, Memphis was supposed to be, like, the worst team in the West this year. And right. they're still hanging on right now to try to get into the eight seed. They'll probably be in a play-in unless they just completely lose outright. But right. it's it, it shouldn't even be a discussion in my eyes. But yeah, that would have gotten a heck of a reaction if you came in here straight face and told me that it was Zion. Right. Oh, I'm sure. No, uh, you're not wrong. Uh, I I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think John Morant's a, a generational talent at point guard. You know, I think him and Zion are the and those two, Luca and Giannis, I mean, the league's in good hands for the future. You know, those guys are Jason all. Jason Tatum. Don't forget about yeah. my guy, Jason okay. Tatum. Jason Tatum, we'll see. I don't <laughs> think he's quite on their level, but he's, he's Ooh, good. Come on, he's man. terrific. He is terrific. Right on. Um, okay, we'll keep this moving. Uh, uh, next, sixth man, I went with Dennis Schroeder. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's the best backup point guard in the league. I think, you know, it's kind of awesome. The Thunder have probably the one of the two or three best point guards, starting point guards in the league this year, as far as just this year, not overall. You know, Chris Paul is terrific, but I think if you if you gave a list right now of the best point guards, maybe he's not at the top, but he did have a terrific season. Um, but, you know, Schroeder's is back up on a team that really needed him to score for that second unit. You know, I don't think Thunder had a whole lot of offensive punch other than him. And, you know, he put up almost 19 points a game off the bench. And he, he, he came off the bench a lot for Atlanta. And I remember when he was there, there was talk about him taking over the starting uh, spot over Teague. And mm-hmm. you know, he's just, he's always, he's excited. Neither one of those guys are there anymore. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's in Oklahoma City. And um, I just, I, I had a hard time not taking Montrez Harrell. I like him, but I think the Thunder needed Dennis Schroeder more than the Clippers needed Harrell, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. And one of the best cases I heard, right, is that if the, the Clippers have two guys in the you know in the running for it, how much more impressive is it that Schroeder made it when the Clippers had, had two names in the list, right? But mm-hmm. ultimately, and, and just some more credit to Schroeder, right? Like he is a part of the one of the most clutch lineups in the NBA this season, right, when they mm-hmm. – when OKC runs Shea, CP3, and, and Schroeder, right? Right. But to me, like what you're seeing with Montrez Harrell being out of the Clippers rotation right now, I know that the award is based off of, you know, by that, you know, March 11th cutoff date, right? But you can still see it now, like how important Trez is to the Clippers because they are missing that inside presence that he gives them. But on both ends, right? Like I think his defense doesn't get talked about enough. He's not a world beater on that end. But he's definitely capable. He's probably like slightly above, slightly above league average. He's not like an elite defensive talent, but he's he's certainly a high energy, high effort guy. He's very efficient. He's this year he, his game has expanded to kind of a triple threat. Like 
not saying he's as talented as Carmelo Anthony, but like on the elbow where he can kind of give you a couple little jab steps and make a move for a center, right? That that's quite impressive. I think that he's got the ultimate, you know, skill set that Matt, that makes the Clippers as dangerous as they are. He's giving you about 18 points per game, which is more than what Schroeder is giving you, right, for Oklahoma City. And he, and he's and he has to share the ball. So imagine if imagine if he was in Schroeder's shoes, right, where he was the only six man, right? Like you're probably looking at like probably a 20 points per game score right. coming off almost, of the bench. He already almost was even with the Clippers with as deep a team as they have. He still you know put up big numbers, and that's why I said it was it was a difficult decision. Um, you know, another thing I think Montrez Harrell is the kind of the the heart and soul of that team. He's a little bit like. He's the guy that gives them their fire, you know, their edge a little bit. Like Kawhi's a Kawhi's a killer. Don't get me wrong, but he never says a word. Yeah, you he's know, just a machine. He's a pretty relatively unassuming superstar. You know, I kind of thought that that beef he tried to have with Damian Lillard was pretty goofy. He just he just yeah, come on, guy. It's not him and Damian. You don't want him. that. He, he doesn't want that either. The wrong guy to, to to get into an altercation with on Twitter, regardless. But Paul George isn't isn't that guy either, and you know Patrick Beverly is a little bit, but Lou Williams is fairly fairly more unassuming. You know he goes out and gets buckets, and he's a flashy player, but he doesn't talk in the media a lot, and he doesn't seem to be the guy that's going to fire you up. Whereas I think Montrez Harrell really brings that you know just that edge and mm-hmm. that extra just a little bit more toughness that they they kind of need, and. So, you know, I, I, I agree with your pick in, in, in a sense. I just went with Schroeder because, like I said, I mean, Andre Roberson and Lugen, Lugent's Dort aren't going to score a whole lot of points up for you off the bench, and they're in the, you know, the regular rotation for that Thunder team. And I just think he, he meant more to that second unit than probably any of the other six-man finalists meant to their, their team. And that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So next one, you got most improved player. We agree on on who the selection is. Uh, yeah. I want you to go ahead and give your give the uh, give the case for Mr. Bam Adebayo. Yeah, you know, uh, I think he's always kind of played with that man against boys kind of feel. Even since he's been in the NBA, he just looks the part, you mm-hmm. know. But this year, he doubled his scoring average. He more than doubled his assist average. His shooting percentages haven't gone down at all. He's a much better defender. And, you know, what you said about Montrezl Harrell is true for Bam, all those things, I think. Plus, he is an elite defender. And yeah. I think better better than Trez. I'll yeah. say that right yeah. now. He's better yeah. than Trez. I think he's on his way to becoming uh, one of the elite rim protectors in the NBA. And he's not just a big athlete either. He can play. And yeah. I, I wasn't sure that he could coming out of Kentucky. I don't think that a lot of people were, and right. you're, you're you're talking about how he's doubling and doubling and doubling. How about averaging a double double with five assists per game, right. and still giving people the business on on the defensive end, right? Like, what cracks me up so much is like how no one talked about the things that he's great at now mm-hmm. is was on their radar, right? Like his rebounding was a thing, and obviously that's been been really really good this season. Not a lot of people talked about his offensive versatility coming into the NBA, which is what we're seeing now, and especially the playmaking. I think that he's probably about two pegs down from Jokic as far as being like up there in terms of playmaking big men, but just a great player. I, I just think he's one of those guys that falls under that 
just in college, you have to play your coach's system, and yep. and some guys just don't fit the system that they're in. And and Kentucky needed a traditional big man to just park in the lane and get rebounds and kick it out to their perimeter players, and that's what he did. He did what he was asked to do. I just don't think anybody got really the chance to see how versatile he could be. And, you know, Miami traditionally doesn't draft all that well. I mean, they got Dwayne Wade, but other than that, in the first round. They, they're good at finding diamonds in the rough, though. And, yeah. you know, I think he was like the 14th or 15th pick. He, he wasn't even a lottery pick. And he might end up being, you know, one of the best two or three guys from his draft when it's all said and done. I mean, they're drafting well now. I mean, you couple yeah. him with Tyler Hero. Like, they're, they're drafting well now. And plus, their developmental program is, is on point. They were just such right. a veteran team for a long time that they didn't really have to rely on the draft as, as much. As what they as what you see now, right? Right. But yeah, I agree. And plus, like he just look like you mentioned about looking the part. Like he looks like a young Dwight Howard to me, especially like in the shoulders area. Like he's like just completely just right angles at his shoulders. Like he just he's yep. he's a freak of nature on that end of the ball. Agreed. That's what I mean when I say that he's got that man against boys feel. He's just he's been that way since he was eighteen years old. You know, he's just a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last award we have is coach of the year. Um, I think we disagreed on this one, although yeah, it looks um, like it. I actually would have no problem with who you picked. Um, I went with Billy Donovan. I think for the same argument as why you went with who you went with, because I mean he lost Paul George, he lost Russell Westbrook. And he was given a less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. And they're going to be the fourth or fifth seed, I think. Fifth, I think, is what they're probably going to get in the West. And, I mean, they, he, he can't say enough. He's pulled all the right strings. He's put his players in the best position to win. I think, obviously, having Chris Paul helps. He's an extension of the coach on the court for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I could have gone a lot of ways with this. There was a lot of good coaching performances this year for sure. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite things to pay attention to when it comes to NBA storylines is coaching, and it and it's specifically for debates like this. I actually had I did a segment earlier in the year, I believe it was in January, where you know my top three and bottom three coaches that I pick, and the guy that you picked, Billy Donovan, I think was third when it came to overall coaching, and it was for a lot of the reasons that you said. But to me, if you have a Chris Paul led team, I don't care who the head coach is, right? Yeah. It, for them to be yeah for them to be fifth in the west like that's not a big surprise considering too that like they have very capable players like sga had a great rookie year last year you know schroeder played off the bench last season and was familiar with his role danilo gallinari is kind of like if he was in the east his whole career he might have been an all-star once or twice right steven adams is a great center you know they have great talent you bring in a guy like chris paul not surprised to see that they did as well as they did but you do make a great point that they lost two star players right and but but look at this the raptors lost two starters too right they lost obvious star and Kawhi leonard and an all defensive player in danny green not only that but they led the entire nba without with when it came to games without rotational players like he led the entire nba not only did they make the second seed for consecutive years in the east but they actually improved their winning percentage off of a championship winning year. So all of those things considered to me is why Nick Nurse deserve to, deserves to be 
the coach of the year in my eyes. Hey, you, you know, if we're being honest, you're probably not wrong. Um, I could, like I said, I could see it going either way. I think I, I'm hearing a lot about Billy Donovan. I'm hearing a lot about Nick Nurse, and I don't. I'm not sure. I think it's a, a kind of a toss-up. I wouldn't be upset with it going either way, really. I would be really upset if it, like, even if you took Nurse out of it, I think that you give it to to Boonholzer out of Milwaukee. And yeah. I think I think that you give it to Rick Carlisle, too, because if you really? look at the because yes they had Luca and KP, but that was kind of a copy and paste roster, man. Like no one knew that leading leading Dallas to the one of the best offenses in the entire NBA is up there. You look at what Boston had to overcome from last year to this year too. So I think Brad Stevens is eat, and then Nate McMillan too. Like Nate McMillan yeah. deserves just as much credit. To me, as Billy Donovan does. So believe me, if you lived in Indianapolis, you, you, everybody here, I I agree with you. Everybody here would tell you you and me were crazy. They all thought McMillan was going to get fired. They all think he's deserved. He to be just fired. got extended today. I Did know. you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Believe me, I saw that. I wasn't surprised by it at all. But that's what well I well mean. deserved. These, it's just it's funny to be around the team and not really be a huge fan of them. So I can kind of keep it objective but i mean there's so many people that were calling for his head and i just didn't see why i think he i think he had a great year too you know yeah, like 100. i said there's a lot of great coaching um performances this year i just i think you know the thunder really surprised people more than more than any other team yeah or, or even taylor jenkins you can throw him in that conversation too because yeah. they were like projected That's to be the true. worst team in That's the west true. I just think that if you're putting Billy Donovan in the conversation, not that he's, like I said, he was my third coach early in January, right? Like, I just think if you start entering in a guy who's not really a contender for a championship this year outside of Bud and Nurse, you can start making the exact same case as you're making for Donovan, for guys like Stevens, for guys like Carlisle, McMillan. You know, there's there's a number of coaches that have that same, Taylor Jenkins, you know, a number of coaches that you can make that same argument for. And let's not forget too that Donovan is doing it with probably one of the best point guards of all time captaining true. his team. Oh, that's true. And you know, I, if you ask guys around the league and other coaches from what I, I hear from what I've heard on TV and stuff, you know, Brad Stevens could win that award every year. Brad Stevens is a, is a basketball genius from what everybody says. And you know, that's something too, that I think as fans and viewers on the outside, it's hard to really understand the different levels of how much better one guy is than another because they all are great coaches to even make it to the NBA. There are some bad mm-hmm. ones. Not every coach deserves their job. But, you know, when we're talking the very best of the best, all these guys are terrific coaches. And yeah. we don't even really see a lot of times everything that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now we're coming into the conversation that I'm looking forward to the most. And this right. is one where we talked about like, and I'll just go ahead and spoil it. You can see it scrolling across your screen right now. We're talking about the bubble teams. Right. Austin, you provided a great kind of alternate team to throw in here because mm-hmm. I was thinking about the concept of it without officially titling it because there was a number of guys in the bubble that just kind of took everyone by surprise with their play this year. Do you just want to kind of, dive into what I just alluded to there, Austin? Yeah, so um, rather than just do an all-bubble first and second team, we also decided to give you guys a uh, bubble breakout team. These are guys that maybe weren't the best of the best, but weren't what you, ex- you know, 
gave you a lot more than what you expected from him. Um, you know, some are guys you're going to know. I think I at least have one guy on my team that, unless you're a really hardcore fan, you haven't heard much of him from him this year. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. So that way we can, you know, recognize the, you know, the the Devin Booker's, the Luka Doncic's, the Giannis's, the guys that are going to get their numbers and have. And then we can also give, you know, our thoughts on who the breakout stars of the bubble were. Um, I'll actually let you go ahead and give what you want to do your, uh, do you want to do your all breakout team or your all I kind of want to, since we just did all that build up, I think it would be fitting to do the breakout team. I know it's not exactly in accordance with our timeline that we established, but I like it. I'm going to lead off with a guy that you didn't have on your roster at all. Mm -hmm. And it makes me happy to see Troy Brown jr. For the Washington wizards. I thought, you know, even I didn't even really consider him much until I did more research today. And it was just like, because who watches the Washington Wizards, especially exactly. without all their star talent, right? Right. So when I was looking for a breakout guy, I originally was going to have Cameron Payne because of the job that he's doing in Phoenix, kind of bolstering their second unit, right? And, right. and if anybody wanted to make an argument for campaign, I wouldn't disagree with them. I've been very impressed. But just hear me out real quick on Troy Brown Jr., right? 15 points per game, 4.7 assists, 7.1 rebounds, 0.8 steals, now, his efficiency leaves a little bit to be desired, right? Only shooting 39% from the field. He's almost largely a jump shooter, though, where in three-point percentage, he has 31%. And he's shooting 94.7% from the free throw line, right? So mm -hmm. the Wizards are obviously, they stink. They fell behind teams that aren't even in the bubble, right? But if we're talking about specifically breakout teams, I don't think that, or a breakout player, I don't think that team success really has a lot to do with the the playing right and if you look at the the people that he has to work with around him you can kind of excuse his uh kind of inefficient inefficiency on the offensive end yeah um my second guard i have is gary trent jr from the portland trailblazers uh i don't think that i'm going to get fought very much on this one you know he's averaging 17 points a game 1.4 assists 1.5 rebounds a steal shooting 52.5 percent from from the field 52.6% from three-point line, so most of his shooting is from outside. And 77.7% .7 from the free throw line. You'd like to see that number get up a little bit since he's just killing it from outside, right? Um, my, my first forward that I have is Duncan Robinson. Every game I watch Miami play, I always find myself saying that Robinson is just a bad man. You know, I, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm sounding like Stephen A. Smith when I say it <laughs> about Aaron Rodgers, right? But right. Duncan Robinson is just a bad man. He's yeah. averaging 16.8 points per game, 1.1 uh, assists, uh, 2.4 rebounds, 0.6 blocks. I don't think he gets talked enough about his his help defense abilities. Right, he's not a good one-on-one -on -one guy. 49.2% um, from the field, 41.5% from deep, and he's taken crazy shots from outside. And he's also 100% from the free throw line in the bubble so far. That's My other bro. forward that I have is Mikael Bridges. He's shooting 12.5 points per game, 1.5 assists, 4.1 rebounds, 1.2, or excuse me, um, 1.2 steals per game, 0.8 blocks, 46.2% from the field, 38.7% from deep, and 82.3% from the free throw line. His offense is, a, is not why I have him in here, although it's not bad, Austin. It's right. his defense. He's been just a, a beast on the defensive end. And then... I went with another forward, so when I was constructing this team, Austin, I went with kind of like the uh, the all-rookie you know, teams that they have where they have two 
backcourt and three frontcourt guys. Right. So we'll talk about this guy a little bit later. I won't run down his stats now because I want to talk about it when we get to our all NBA team or all bubble NBA teams. But it's Michael Porter Jr. It rounds out my breakout team. Awesome. Okay. I uh, We're in a lot of agreement on all of this. I don't want to sound too redundant. My, uh, my only difference is my first guard instead of Troy Brown, which, like you said, uh, Washington's just an afterthought, so I never even considered them when I was doing my research. <laughs> so good job finding him. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr., I have him. I have Duncan Robinson. And I just want to put this out there. You can tell me you think I'm crazy. I don't care. And you'll, I think I'll be right in a couple of years. I think his ceiling is is Clay Thompson. I think he, if he if he if he gets as good as he could, I think he could be Clay Thompson with a little bit better, you know, attacking game. Uh, he can put the ball on the floor too. I don't uh, think his defense is there though. Maybe not quite the level of Clay Thompson's defense, but offensively, I think he's. He could be like another Splash Brother. I think more like this generation's like JJ Redick or Kyle Korver. I think is kind of okay. like where he's at. Okay. Well, personally, I said what I said. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you said about Mikael Bridges about his defense. I heard an interview with uh, Cameron Payne today, and they said they they call it putting players in Mikael jail. So you're you're right. Oh, on I that. like that. And you're right on that. I agree with you there. I agree with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, my only difference was I have Keldon Johnson from mm. the Spurs. Yeah. Now, Keldon Johnson, I think, is the you know epitome of what a breakout player is. He played nine games all season for the Spurs. He was in the G League almost the whole year. Um, and he had a 24-point game. He's had a 20-point game. He's averaging 12.7 points, five rebounds. He's shooting 63% from the field and 71% from three. Yeah. And the exact opposite of what I said about Brown, right? Right. And I don't, <laughs> it's obviously probably not sustainable, but, you know, he was a good player at Kentucky. He was a blue chip recruit. He's, I think, got a bright future. Um, um, so that's my only difference from your team. I think all these guys really, you know, showed out big time compared to what you would have expected. Michael Porter, maybe the only one that I kind of saw this coming because, you know, before he had that back surgery, he was probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, and you just saw him not getting a lot of opportunity either. It's true. And, you know, like a lot of the NBA is just guys getting a chance. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and Keldon Johnson, you know, very, very solid pick. You know, he's only averaging a little less than three points per game, less than, than my guy and a little fewer rebounds. But the efficiency's there. I, I see what you're saying. I don't really have a – I'm not – I am not blown away that you didn't have Troy Brown Jr. on your team. Right. Right on. Oh, so, so do you want to do second team or first team next? Um, let's. I'll start with the second team. I'll go. Ahead okay, go ahead. My second team first. Um, well, well, I'll give you a, a heads up for everybody. You kind of went position by position for your all bubble teams. Yes. And I went a little bit more, just kind of who I thought were the best five and the second best five. Um, so my. All bubble second team is a little bit more by position. I had Karis Levert of the Brooklyn basketball team, as you put it. I like <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. He what he has been a net for a few years, so I'll call him a net. You know, twenty he, he's earned that game, name, I guess. Twenty three points per game, five uh, you know, five rebounds, six assists. He's you know, he's been a, he's a big guard. He can get to the rim, 
and I think everybody on the court kind of knows that he's about the only you know, he's the first option, second option, third option on offense probably at this point for that team, as shorthanded as they are, and he still put up good numbers. Uh, the other guard, I have James Harden. It was really hard to leave him off the first team, but uh, I already have, you know, three or four guards on the first team, so we'll get to that. Yeah, um, you do. Averaging 33-8-9, you know, he's almost at a triple-double. You know, nobody puts the ball in the basket better than James Harden. Uh, not in today's NBA. He's one of the greatest scorers of all time. He's definitely the greatest scorer right now. Um, and then I had Kawhi Leonard, another guy that was it was hard to keep out of the first team, but you know he's right there on the on the cuff of either one. Twenty nine points per game, stellar defense again. He's shot terrific from three since the bubbles started. Not as efficient from two, but his three point shooting has been has been fantastic. Um, and then the other forward I have is Michael Porter Jr. I know you wanted to talk a lot about him. I'll let you kind of take the reins on that, but he is averaging 24 and nine. You know, he had, I think he's the first, first rookie since Blake Griffin to have back-to-back 30 point double doubles. And, you know, he's been terrific. And then I had Joel Embiid, um, Joel Embiid. I've got his stats right here before the last game where he was injured and he only played five minutes and 42 seconds. So in the first Four games that he was back in the bubble, he was averaging 30 and 30 points and 13 and a half rebounds on 54% from the field. Um, you know, taking 11 free throws a game. So, you know, really active on the offensive end, playing great defense, you know, a steal and a half a game, a block and a half a game. And, you know, it's too bad he got injured because he, he was having a great, you know, bubble experience. So that's my second team. Um, I don't know what you think of it, or I know you definitely had some different picks than me. Well, I did just, again, it was based off of structure, and this isn't anything that we talked about, so I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, because I think it's probably good, right? Because you're to, this is something that you hear about with all NBA teams in general, right? Like, do we need to get away from the traditionalist aspect of it, you know, where it's like Mm -hmm. you have X amount of guards and X amount of forwards, and then you have to have a center, right? Right. Um, That's where my mind went, because when I do these lists, I always keep the traditionalist list. I don't go with the best five. Um, and again, by like, by way of giving these teams, by no means am I saying that you know the first team center is a better player than my second team's guard. And I want people to remember that specifically for this conversation, right? By no means am I saying that my first team center is better than my second team's guards, either one of them. Right. Um, I just and I went solely by position. So my second team. This this may this may break people's hearts, but Luka Doncic is my starting point guard of my second team. Now right. you may ask, how could this be? My first point guard is just having a better bubble, right? And that's the other thing. This is based off of solely the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And another thing that I want people to keep in mind is that is if players sat out more than a game, and then if they sat out more than a game, and then most of another game, I didn't have them. So I'll just go ahead and spoil this. I don't have Giannis on either one of my teams specifically for that reason, right? So okay. for the bubble, since it's such a small sample size, to me, if you miss more than a game and you miss a lot of other aspects, like, okay, sorry, like, you don't get to make this made-up award, right? Good so criteria. <laughs> yeah, right? So um, Luka Doncic is my starting point guard. He's averaging 32 points per game, 11.3 assists. 11 rebounds, 0.3 steals, 47.4% from the field, 29.1% from three, and 78.1% from the stripe. 
and you may ask how may how on earth could i have someone averaging a triple double on my second team the only way that i can respond to you is this is efficiency right and also like his team hasn't performed as well as my other starting guard right in in terms of win loss record right so right that's why luca is on here now another guy that i have on here is devin booker right these two from everything that I'm hearing and reading everywhere else, these are the two MVP favorites for the bubble for a lot of people. But they're both on my second team. And a guy that I don't even really like is on my first team, and I'll make his case when we talk about that. But Devin Booker's have averaging 31 points per game, 6.1 assists, 4.5 rebounds, half a steal, 49.6% from the field, 34.8% from deep, and he's taking stupid shots. Um, 93.5% from the free throw line. Now, when I got to these um, position-specific matchups, my second team forwards were kind of hard to choose. Um, I ended up going with Jason Tatum as my as my three here. He's averaging 22.4 points per game, 3.7 assists, 6 rebounds, 1.4 steals, half a block, 46.9 from the field, 44.9% from three, and 85.2% from the stripe. His efficiency is why I have him over other guys such as LeBron James, such as Chris Middleton, such as DeMar DeRozan, any other forwards having a greater, you know, maybe have higher numbers in some areas, right? Mm-hmm. And again, that's excluding guys that missed, you know, more than a game and then extended periods throughout a game. So like Pascal Siakam and Giannis, those guys were out of here. Um, Michael Porter Jr., I'll run through those numbers since you were gracious enough to let me do so. 23.8 points per game, 1.5 assists per game, 9.1 rebounds per game, 1 steal a game, 0.8 blocks per game, 56.8% from the field, 46.3% from deep, and 96% from the free throw line. Just absolute monster numbers. And he didn't even play as much in their first bubble game as he did later on. So you would have to imagine that some of these numbers would probably climb. And then his teammate, Nikola Jokic, is my center on, on my second team. 20.6 points per game, 8.5 assists per game, 6.6 rebounds per game, 1.3 steals per game, only 0.1 blocks per game, 50% from the field, 32% from deep, and 89.6% from the free throw line. So that rounds out my second unit there, Austin. Hey, um, you know, I don't really have any arguments if, you know, if you're going the traditional position by position, um, you know, I think it's, it's sometimes it's okay to, to award, you know, a center just because he's one of the best two centers, but I do like given, you know, the best five and the next best five, it's kind of just more my feel on it, especially if we, you know, we're doing an all, you know, an all bubble team for eight games. Um, sure. Jason, Jason Tatum, you know, I, I like him. You're a lot higher on him than I am. Um, I'm kind of a Jason Tatum hater, I guess. I always have been. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's because he plays for the Celtics. I just, he's good. He's good. He's just, I think he's just the next tier down. Um, but I don't have any problems with your, with your second team. You know, Luca is a little ridiculous. I don't know how you don't have him on the first team, but I'll talk about it. Efficiency, efficiency. Oh, I know I will get to it. I, I, I don't, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard, but I disagree. Um, Booker, you know, I like Devin Booker a lot. Um, I'll go ahead and give you guys my, my, my number one team. Now my all breakout first or my all bubble first team. Sorry. Um, so I had Luca, obviously he's averaging the triple double. Like you said, I, I, um, I also have Damian Lillard and I also have Devin Booker. So I have three guards, um, you know, 
Dame time showed up big time last night. Mm-hmm. You know, he's averaging 37 points per game. Um, the basketball gods are obviously on his side. If you saw that bounce that he got, um, that was crazy. The ball completely went off the screen and came back right in. And he was about 35 feet away. That was incredible. Um, TJ Warren is the only reason that Kawhi wasn't on this first team. Um, he's just played out of his mind, 33 points per game. He, he didn't, um, I think he's out with either, I think they're officially saying a foot injury, but um, I think it's probably more just rest to get ready for the player. Sure. But, but he's been leading that team and he's played out of his mind, except for that one, the last game against Miami. Um, I did not keep Giannis out because he sat out. I think he's been as good as he was all year. You know, he's averaging 27.8 points and 12 and a half rebounds. And I think he only played like 10 or 12 minutes in the last game. Before that, he was at like 31 and 13 and a half, which is mm-hmm. about where he's been all year. Um, and Devin Booker, I think Devin Booker is got to be in the running for, like you said, the MVP of the bubble. You know, he had another 35 point game. He just actually broke the Suns' career record for 30-point games, and uh, he did it in less than half the games the other guy had it in, had the record in. <laughs> right. Um, he's always been able to score, but it's never really seemed to add up to wins, and now all of a sudden they you know they're the, look like they're the best team in the NBA since the bubble came back. You know, yeah, the sometimes he's had multiple 30-point games just in one game by himself. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, he had that 70-point game. Um, you know, so he's always been a, a, a big time scorer, but I just think he's putting putting a lot more of his game together, and it's not just empty stats anymore. And he would actually probably be my pick if I had to pick a a, a bubble MVP, which I did hear that they are going to announce. So I'm interested to hear your first team, and I know we didn't talk about this, but if you have to pick a bubble MVP, I want to know who it is too. Okay. Um, well, I'll start off with my bubble MVP being my first team point guard, and that is Damian Lillard, okay. averaging 37 points per game, 9.2 assists per game, 4.4 rebounds per game, 1.2 steals. He's shooting 48.4% from the field, 44.4% from deep, and 88.7% from the free throw line. I just think that he he's the bubble MVP to me, which is why I have him over Luka. And He's averaging five more points per game, so even though he's giving up about two assists and, and a boatload of rebounds to Luca, right? He's averaging um, almost an entire steal per game more than Luca. Mm-hmm. He's shooting better from every aspect of the field, and to me, he's willing. His his team has the better record too over over Luca when it comes to this okay. bubble tournament. So that's why I have him over Luca Doncic, even though he's averaging that triple double. Um, shooting 47% from the field, 29% from deep, and 78% from the stripe. Um, to me, it doesn't really – it kind of evens itself out, and the record gives, you know, Dame Dame the edge. Now, the reason why I have Devin Booker on the second team is because a guy that is not getting talked about nowhere near enough, and it pains me. I want you to understand, Austin, it pains me in my soul to give this guy the amount of credit and props that I'm about to give him. But James Harden, okay. James Harden is. Qu- when have we ever said that James Harden is quietly having a, a, a good stretch? We've never been able to say that. Like that's how crazy this bubble is. James Harden is averaging thirty-three point four points per game, eight point six assists, seven point six rebounds, three count them three steals per game. Mm-hmm. 51.6% from the field, 33.3% from deep, 
and 90.3% from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. The fact that James Harden is averaging more points than both Luka and Devin, he's averaging more assists than Booker and rebounds than Booker, he's averaging far and away more steals per game and is far and away more efficient in every aspect other than the three-point and free-throw percentage from Devin Booker. (laughs) All of that, to me, shows that he deserves to be all bubble first. And again, I want to throw up, my tongue is on fire right now for speaking so (laughs) highly of a guy that I just cannot stand to watch as a player. But a lot of the things that he has done that I think has carried you know, that has built a reputation the way it is, where Mm -hmm. that foul-seeking behavior has actually toned down a lot in the bubble. It has, definitely. And his defense has ramped up a ton in this bubble. Well, not only that, a lot of people don't realize this. James Harden's in the top 20 in the NBA in in, uh, defensive rating and defensive win shares this year. Yeah, most steals by a guard since 2012, I believe. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a... above average defender this year he has had a much better defensive season and i think a lot of that is you know guys used to say he just didn't try on defense and uh, i think he's just putting in more effort now you know he's a little bit older everybody matures a different rate um i've never been the biggest harden fan either i I don't have as much disdain for him as you do i actually like his game um i think if you can it hurts me austin it hurts me exploit something you can you should um now it's not the prettiest to watch. I agree with that. And it obviously it hasn't brought them the title that they think it should, but it, it'd be hard. I'd be hard pressed if I was James Harden and the coach came to me and said, okay, you're going to take 70% of our shots. You're going to have the ball the whole game. Is he going to say no? You know, I mean, I don't think any that, NBA player says no. Exactly. I mean, it's not all, you know, it's, I think if they, you know, Westbrook's been a good compliment to him this year. It's funny that, I saw another eye-opening stat about Harden is he has the most missed field goals this year. Um, he has the most three-point attempts this year, and then Russell Westbrook has the most two-point attempts this year. So they're mm-hmm. just like the most ball-dominant one-two about ever. Um, but no, he's he's been he's been terrific in the bubble, and I want to give a caveat about Devin Booker. Devin Booker is my MVP pick, and he's on my first team. If they lose their last game or they weren't undefeated, he would probably drop all the way out of that MVP race and drop down to my second team. I just think leading an undefeated team that, like I said before, has played a murderer's row lineup or you know, uh, schedule, um, I just think something has to be said about that. And that's why I put him as high as I did. Well, I mean, to counter that, right, like James is 4-2 and two with no traditional big man at all. Right. You know, not even a traditional four. You know, he's true. There's been games where he has guarded KP Kendrick or wow, not Kendrick Perkins, Kristaps Porzingis, and locked him up. Even against the Bucks, he guarded Giannis and did a really good job. I mean, he. I, I almost want to take back almost every bad thing I've ever said about him, except it makes me want to throw up if I say that too much. <laughs> right. So moving on with the rest of my um, first team, I have Kawhi Leonard as my number one small forward. Right. Um, 29.4 points per game, 4.6 assists, 4.8 rebounds, 1.8 steals, 0.4 blocks, 46% from the field. How about this? 51.7% from deep. And then he's 86.3% from the free throw line. Yeah, crazy, right? So, yeah, um, I have him there. 
you know, Kawhi Jr., um, TJ Warren, I have him at, at the okay. four here. Um, he's 31 um, points per game, two assists per game, 6.8 rebound, or excuse me, 6.3 rebounds per game, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, 57.8 from the field, 52.3% from deep, and 88% from the free throw line. And then, to me, still the best center. I, I talked about this earlier. Joel Embiid, you, I didn't exclude that very short stint in his last game. Mm-hmm. Even including that, he's averaging 24.4 points per game, 2.8 assists, 11.6 rebounds, a steal, a block, 51.1% from the field, terrible three-point percentage. I'll just go ahead and put this out there. Less than 1% from three, right? But 76% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. So take away that three-point percentage, I, I think that he's still doing better even with that inefficiency he's averaging more points and rebounds than Nikola Jokic and obviously Mm -hmm. blocks and he's about as efficient in almost every other aspect except free throw right so Mm -hmm. I just think honestly his importance to the team because Ben Simmons hasn't played well like you can say well he had Ben Simmons he has not had the Ben Simmons that anyone has remembered from this regular season right he was his forty twenty game that he had earlier in the bubble was dwarfed because he just so happened to be going up against Kawhi Jr. and mm-hmm. T.J. Warren, and he just you know Kawhi Jr. just piece. dwarfed he dwarfed that game. But well, yeah, he gave him a fifty piece. Of course he did. Yes, he did. But yeah, that's my first team, man. Okay, I like I like it. Uh, you know, if you're going traditional by position, um, I have no problem with anybody you picked. Um, I think uh, you know if. If you, I want to ask you, if you had to do it my way, would you put Luca on your first team if it, if it weren't for, like, you went by positions? Or do you think him and maybe Dame would have been in there together? Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have taken out even Kawhi. I probably would have took out Kawhi and Joel and put in Devin and um, Luca. So it would have been Devin, Luca, Dame, Harden, and. Uh, um, probably um, TJ Warren as my okay. as my top five. Okay, I just wanted to hear what, see what your thinking was on that, so we're kind of in agreement there. Cool. Yeah, and again, that's because you know if a guy missed more than a game or a game and then extended, you know, time out of a, of a game, he he didn't make the cut for for my roster this year. So right, and then you know that's not something that I even thought of, but I like that for sure. You know, like you said, it's such a small sample size. You know, I not any big agreements or disagreements. Uh, I agree with most of what you picked. You know, like I said, I just think you, you snubbed Luca a little bit there, but I, I get <laughs> I get your thinking on it for sure. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, like as, as great as Luca's been, I mean, and people could see those triple doubles. People could see those triple doubles and and fall in love with that, but he hasn't really been efficient. And we talked a little bit about this on our last show, right? Like I'm still not in love with the KP Luca pairing as much they're not as good as they should be. You right. know what I mean? And it's not yeah. because KP's injured anymore. Like KP is basically back. Mm-hmm. They just they seem like they haven't really found too good of a rhythm together. It's like they both can't be at their best when they're out there together. And I'm not sure why. It's almost like I just think Luca's so ball dominant. He has the ball so much, and and Porzingis kind of thrives with the ball in his hands a little bit too. So I think that's up, up a little bit of it. You know, they kind of play better when they're both they both play better as the number one option. If that makes sense. No, and and it does. And I think that 
I think that, you know, as this team, you know, continues to have more and more years together, if they don't improve in that area, you could probably start seeing a little bit of what we're seeing with uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because it, mm-hmm. it's almost like the exact opposite, though. It's like they're almost too skilled to play with each other right. in a way. It's not like the complete mismatch and, you know, they mm-hmm. have to stand on the same side of the court. They don't. Like, they can both theoretically be anywhere on the court. Yeah, that's true. It's it's the same problem but for different reasons. For exactly. Sure. But, yeah, Austin, that, uh, that wraps up our yeah. – that wraps up our discussion for today. I just, uh, you know, again, wanted to, to thank you for all the hard work that you're putting in. You just, you know, wrote up a piece about the awards, and it is actually up now um, right before this recording. It has been uploaded to the website. So do you want to go ahead and share with the with the viewers and listeners about um, what, you, what you have posted up as far as the awards? Yeah, definitely. Um, I gave my... Uh first team second team third team all nba i gave my all defense teams my rookie team i did my individual awards make sure you head on over there and give it a read and listen to exactly why steven's wrong and billy donovan is gonna win <laughs> coach of the year you know at least in my opinion no but for real uh, you know I, I put a lot of work into it so check it out if you want you know i appreciate it i appreciate everybody that listens to the show and you know i appreciate you too steven i know you put in a lot of hard work i see you on shows almost every other night it seems like you're you're a busy man for sure so well, i appreciate that yeah and it's just you know i i recently just started helping out with the mma show to like to kind of be the moderator i don't claim to be an expert in that field at all but i feel like i can listen to a discussion and kind of help mm-hmm. out with you know different aspects to think about but you know i'll, I'll get better as we keep going there and right we um, all will yeah, absolutely. And we got a bunch of other great pieces. You know, our, our guy, Stuart Brooking, just put I put up a, a link that he sent me about, you know, the COVID, um, how it's affecting the NCAA season and, you know, things to think about, things like that. So check that out. We're going to have um, our guy, Pat, just sent me today. Um, it's got to go through the, the review process. But, you know, for the upcoming, you know, Stipe versus um, uh, Cormier, MMA fight for the weekend that'll be up probably tonight or early tomorrow so that'll be coming out and you know we're just going to keep pump, pumping out these these um, episodes uh, they'll be coming out every um, Thursday and every Monday where we'll be mm-hmm. recording every Sunday and Wednesday and it's just been a lot of fun Austin I, I've greatly appreciated having you as a, as a co-host because not only does it help take a, a burden off of me right to where I feel mm-hmm. like I have to you know, do everything by myself, but it's also right. just great having a, a guy that I know that I can count on, you know, on, on a weekly basis to have just good, healthy NBA conversation with someone who loves the game just as much, if not more. I, I don't know if I'm ready to see that yet. Right. But maybe just as much, you right. know, the NBA as much as I do. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just happy to have a platform to, you know, hear myself talk and I appreciate <laughs> you you know, having me on. And it, like you said, it's nice to have somebody to do the show with. It's, we can kind of, you know, argue a little bit. And, you know, I think we kind of have the same thoughts on a lot of things, but, you know, we do have some, uh, some, you know, different lines of thinking, which is, which is good. You know, it's always nice to hear a different opinion other than your own. Um, sure. I, I will give you a tip about your MMA show, uh, this upcoming fight. If you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, pick Sugar Sean O'Malley, you know. Oh, we did. Movie. Okay, good. We picked Sugar Pretty Sean, good. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but 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 Vera could Vera could Vera could hurt him though. Vera could, could hurt him. I think Sean O'Malley is the future of the UFC though. 
and that's largely what um our, our guys at allaspectsports.com right. you know our mma guys uh phil and pat they they feel the same way although they do have a little bit of different understanding of whether he should be you know fighting headliners now or later you know mm-hmm. um i'm of the mindset to where like if you if you you if you lose you want to lose to the best but right. you know um phil had brought up a great point that you know you know, if you if you lose to those guys early, you know, you create almost like a glass ceiling for yourself to where it's a mental block, you know, to where you're like, crap, I got to fight this guy again and I just lost to him, you know, can I hang with him type thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, lots to look forward to this weekend. Definitely, but yeah, everybody, make sure you go over and check that show out too. It sounds like they have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's good, and the show, it'll be released probably tomorrow as well. It's called The Verbal Octagon. Um, it, it, it was a fun time recording that episode nice. for sure. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, um, as for us here at Breaking the Game, right, you can follow us. You can look us up on anywhere podcasts are available, um, Breaking the Game. Um, on iTunes, it's still a little tricky. You still have to search uh, Breaking the Game with Stephen Gillespie because we're still uploading more and more content. So there's a little bit of confusion there. But if you're on Spotify, look up Breaking the Game. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, are you are you ready, Austin? I'm going to hit you up with Instagram first. I'm ready. You can follow us up on Instagram at BTGNBAPod. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can look us up at that same name, at BTGNBAPod. And as for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at StephenAAS, which is for All Aspect Sports, which is for our website, allaspectsports.com. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Stephen W. Gillespie. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on social media. Email us at breakingthegamepodcast at gmail.com if you want to get some questions answered or if you just want to tell us how great of a head coach Billy Donovan is. I I won't read it, but I'll pass it along to Austin, and he can, you know, tell you thank you for that. But, um, Austin, man. We're going to get out of here. i got to go cook dinner and hang out with the fam. I know that you got work. I know you got to get some sleep soon to go yeah, you know, to your real job. i got to get up pretty early. So There you go. Well, hey, enjoy um, your dinner, man. It sounds like it's much deserved. Congrats. I, I appreciate you, brother. You want to say something nice to the people real quick? Yeah, everybody, you know, just thanks for the support. Make sure you, you head on over to the website, allaspectsports.com. Um, you know, show us some love. If you want to, like he said, email the show. We'd love to hear what you think about it. If you if you have an idea for something we should do or you want you know something we should talk about on the show, we're more than happy to hear it out. We may not talk about it, you know. I feel like we won't know more than probably you do. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> Don't say that, man. Give them reason to email us. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I know. No, for real though, we love hearing feedback. So you know, get a hold of us on social media, like you said, or at the at the website. And thanks for listening. Yeah, um, same thing, guys. Uh, anybody watching now or listening now or later for either, you know, this this podcast is, is for you guys. We love talking about this stuff, and we love putting out content for people to listen to. But as for us here at the Break of the Game podcast, we've been your host. You, the listener, have been awesome. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody.